0: My wife and I are sitting on the couch in our home. I have my computer in front of me and I'm learning how to code again, relearning how to code. It was a lot different from when I was a kid. And she looks at me and she goes, why are you always working? And I looked at her and I said, this is what I do for fun. This is literally what I do for fun. And it is, if you can have fun doing what you're doing, you will win. Why will you win? Because you're going to outwork everyone else. Why? Because you like to have more fun than work. It's simple.
1: Are you ready to step up your game? Do you want to form the habits required to take your hustle to the next level? You're in the right place. We've been where you are and know that getting to your optimized next level doesn't happen by accident.
2: Welcome to the Next Level Hustle Podcast. Each week, we sit down with experts, entrepreneurs, and people at the top of their game to help you discover how to accelerate what you've already been doing with excellence and speed to find success and fulfillment in every area of your life. I'm your host, Boomer Allred. And I'm also your host, John Weezahan. This is going to be Next Level. Welcome to the Next
1: Level Hustle Podcast. I'm your co host, John.
2: And um, I'm your co-host, Boomer, I'm, and I'm interrupting John. Um, this is an amazing opportunity for us to do our first live Next Level Hustle podcast. Outside of our own studio. Outside of our own states.
1: That's true. We are currently in uh, Naperville, Illinois, uh, neighbor to Chicago, with our good friend Joe Chura. What's and, up? And we are uh, recording at Joe's non-alcoholic tap room. Called Go Brewing, www.gobrewing.com. Uh if you don't mind, Boomer, start us off just for a minute about how you got how and you and Joe met each other. This is like a really cool story. I think everybody'd be super interested in listening to.
2: It's it's amazing to be in this uh, tap room with you. I met Joe a couple of years ago through Seal Fit in Unbeatable Mind. And um, Joe was in a, a group that I got to coach and then we did some time out in California uh, with some Navy SEALs teaching him how to shoot and how to wrestle with uh, other people, self-defense. And uh, it's a sheepdog event. And um, it's just really great to know Joe in many different ways. The cool thing was when he came out to California to do the sheepdog event, he brought two of his friends with him. And Can, that's, can you tell us what a sheepdog event is? Oh, yeah. Really so, quick? yeah, absolutely. Thank you, John. So, you know, some people in life are sheep. And some are sheep dogs. The sheep dogs look out for the sheep. So when uh, there's yes. people on their phones walking down the street, there have to be other people that are looking out to help protect them from getting run over by a car. <laughs> and those are the sheep. So those are the skills that we taught during uh, the SealFit sheep dog event. Sorry and to interrupt. That's okay. I, no, I appreciate so it. I am a sheep dog now. Yeah. So
0: when you think of me, that's what I want you to think about. Sheep dog. Drag.
1: I mean, that's what's now burned into
2: my skull. <laughs> Joe the Sheepdog. Okay, so Joe brought two friends. Yeah, and, and that's, that's who Joe is. Like He wants other people to experience the things that, uh, that he does and brings people along for the journey. And that's something that I think you do in, in, in work, in life, and um, it's something you've always shared. And it so, was actually a, a bet though. You, you didn't think I had friends. So I brought two out to prove
0: it to you. You said, no, you don't. And I said, watch, man. And that's what happened. Wait, you, you were joking. That was an expensive trip. Is that a joke? I wanted to prove you wrong.
2: You proved me wrong, Joe. You have many friends. I know that. So, you know, why don't you describe kind of where we are, why we're here in this space and maybe how we got here.
0: Yeah, uh, we are in Go Brewing, as you stated. It's, uh, it's a non-alcoholic brewery. It's one of the first in the nation with the programming and activities we have here, which include things like cold plunge training, uh, breath stress relief training. We do yoga. We actually have Tai Chi and uh, Qigong this month. Uh, we have live music. So we create this very inclusive environment. We only brew no and low alcohol beer here. But we also have guest beers from our neighbors to make, again, a very inclusive environment for everyone building this community. to It's all about betterment. It's all about creating new things. Um, a lot of these are ex- extensions of just things that I like that I put out there and, and hope that other people would would come. And, it, and it's turning out to be a pretty cool tap room. The other thing, uh, Go Brewing... Is known for is our website and selling online. So we sell probably Mm. Tuesday. We sell to 43 states in the U.S. And this is all the non-alcoholic beers. So right now we have about eight styles. We'll have a couple more, including the first ever black and tan bundle that Mm. someone could buy for St. Patty's Day. Can pour two beers in in a nice pint and make a black and tan. That's all NA. And that's the fun thing about this is you have an idea, you create it, and that's what I love. About it, How we got here, Um, I've been drinking since I was really a kid, like 14 years old, 15 years old, and kind of nonstop. Some weeks I would, the whole week would go by, I wouldn't have anything, and some days wouldn't go by, and I would have 10 drinks. I mean, it just was sporadic, but what I realized is I was under the cloud of alcohol at some capacity for, I don't know, the better part of, how old am I, 30 years-ish? And uh, during the height of COVID, my wife and I abstained from alcohol for 75 days. We this challenge called 75 Day Hard. I'm sure your audience may have, may have heard of it. 75 days of um, 10 or so things that include drinking a gallon of water, following a diet. Working out twice a working day. Working out twice a day, once has to be outside, reading a book. Like a lot of things I was doing already, but to keep it consistent and not miss a day, that's, that's the challenging part. So I did that, but the hardest thing in that whole journey was abstaining from alcohol for 75 days. But my wife and I made a pact to do it. We did it, and day 76 came, day 77 came, and I didn't want to drink. And I was like, man, I feel great. I just had mental clarity. I, was, I lost a bunch of weight, not just because drinking, that was a huge component of it, but eating better and, and just taking on positive habits. And I felt myself moving toward my goals versus away from my goals, and I think that's important in life when you make a decision. Are you gonna make that decision to move toward or away? And also I didn't have hangovers. There's all these benefits, but the, what was missing is like we would go out at night, we'd go out to dinner, and there was no place to go that didn't revolve around alcohol at some level. So so that was just a key component of, of something that I thought was missing here. And then the opportunity to use some of my background in digital marketing and advertising and build an e-commerce website and share what we're brewing here with the rest of the United States. So. That's in a, in a nutshell. So super blessed to be able to do this. And by the way, it's awesome to have met you, John. Uh, we've got to know each other recently in Boomer. You've been an amazing mentor to me and coach uh, over, I don't know, the last, better part of the last three years at least. And uh, just happy to be on this podcast.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. That's such a cool story. And, and I'm confident that's the tip of the iceberg. To, you know, everything and all the steps you've taken throughout your career to get to where we are right now. Right. And I'd I'd like, if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of unpack a little bit uh, your journey and maybe where you started and how you became an entrepreneur. Because, you know, I see you, uh, just speaking candidly, I think you're a fantastic person. You're a great leader. I can learn a lot from you um, just talking to you and, and listening to what you've done and how you've done it. And that's really exciting to me. So I appreciate you, you know befriending me so quickly. It's been uh, it's been a treat for me for sure. But I'd like to know like, did you all, were you always an entrepreneur? Did you start in corporate and did you hate it? You know, what was that journey like for you to really figure out where your wheelhouse existed?
0: It's mm. a great question. And I I would say your uh, your resume is pretty good yourself. John. <laughs> but um, you know, if I had to look back in my life and think about creating and and doing things that would Exhibit any sort of like predictability that I was going to be an entrepreneur. The the few things I could think of is just small entrepreneurial things when I was younger, like building crafts. I would build like these spaceships out of cardboard and I would go sell them. I would um, like think about like when the Bears 85 Bears Super Bowl team would play, my brothers and I created this group and we went door to door and we sold the chance to hear us sing the Super Bowl shuffle. So you miss that. And there's this all these little things that I always thought about, like, oh, how to, but nothing like super, like, I'm going to create a business, like my daughter every week, she's like, I'm going to create a business, I want to do X. Uh, but what happened was, um, uh, and I think this is true in everyone's life, is, is something happens and you start to make choices from, from that point in life. And my thing was, uh, at 19 years old, I found out I was going to be a father, and the... Funny thing about that is I couldn't even take care of myself at that time. I literally, like, I was this, this disheveled teenager, lost in life, and all of a sudden I find out I'm going to be a dad, and I'm like, "You got to be kidding me!" But what I knew is like I have to take care of my child, so I need a job. I need a job with benefits. I have to pay for this for, for you know, somehow. I wasn't very marketable. <laughs> I, I had just graduated. Uh, high school. I was. I had like a semester of college under my belt. Um, so a friend of, of mine, and actually my girlfriend's parents, they all worked at the Ford Chicago Assembly Plant, and that was like the. If you just like equating this in your mind, like the steel mill, you know, like you know, I just oh, yeah. I just picture that of like there's this there's this factory, and everyone's in the factory. and After they're at the bars, and like that was kind of the scene. And uh, I applied, and I was lucky enough that Ford was hiring at the time. They are making the most popular car in America, the 1998 Ford Taurus. And I got in pretty quickly and started working on the assembly line, put it on seat belts, B-pillar, scuff plates, pretty much like all the plastics inside the yeah. interior of the Ford Taurus. And what I quickly realized is I hated it. I hated the job. But but again, I wasn't very marketable, so I, I had two choices. I could, well, I three really, I could quit not, not a good choice. That's the whole reason I went there is to get a job with benefits and all that stuff. I could try to get another job again, who would hire me. And at that time, Ford was paying really well. It was a good job. Or my third option to me was maybe I could take advantage of their benefits and put myself through school. So, so I chose the latter of those three. And, uh, and I also noticed around the same time, this, this common language around the plan, what i Came to define as later the countdown, I don't think anyone calls it it that but me, but it was basically like when you met someone that was a factory worker, a common question was, how much longer do you have left until you retire? Hmm. And that's that's how everyone talked. Like at Ford, when you had 30 years as a UAW employee, you got a full pension. And everyone was after 30 years, that's it. So I talked to people and they'd be like, I have 26 years left, I've been here four years. And they'd smile and I'm like, I don't wanna do that. And then I would talk to someone else, and they'd be like, I have five years left. And and then there'd be many other people being depressed about how much time they had left, almost as if you had no choice but to stay at that plant. So my only way out was through, and that was through an education. So I started, I enrolled in college. I would bring my textbooks to, uh, to the factory line. I got pretty good at my job, so I'd work my way up. So just picture this assembly line. These cars are just rolling really slow at 72 cars per hour, they don't stop, they just roll slow. So you have the opportunity to like work your way up the line if you get fast, you go as far as your hose can go. That way you have more time for the cars to pass you. And then you get a little behind and then and then you do it over again. So I was doing that a lot, which gave me about 30 seconds to read in between building these cars. So I was able to read 30 seconds at a time these textbooks and I did it for, for eight to 10 hours a day. And I ended up fast forwarding years later, because it took me that long, graduating magna cum laude from St. Xavier University in Chicago, not because I'm smart, because I was just forced into this position where I had to retain information and I didn't want to take that time to be a human robot. So I would get a chance to think about what I just read. Mm. And it turned out that retention in that way was so powerful for me, it worked so well. It's
1: amazing what focus can do.
0: Right. Forced focus. Yeah, and I haven't had it since. It was just <laughs> like forced on me r- right then. And, and That's amazing. And that was that was kind of the, the start. And, and at the time, and I'll just give another story because I think it's important when someone hits a roadblock, what they can do. So here's me, grad, um, I'm at the plant now about four years. I'm talking on every break to every supervisor trying to get out of the plant, trying to think about no, I'm sorry, trying to move up at the plant. I'm, I'm trying to think about how do I get to be my supervisor? Like, how do I get to wear this, this radio and, like, command the line versus being command? And that was just my, like, my dream was to, like, move up the plant ranks and be a supervisor. So I would have these conversations with these, with these people. And one day, like, after a while, they just started dismissing me. So you want to talk about Hustle. Every every day, every hour, every break, I would find someone and I would talk to him. I would schedule meetings with a plant manager and like present to him shit that he had no idea like what I was even talking about. Is like here's a marketing plan. And he's like I run a factory. Like what does this have to do with me? <laughs> but I would just try those things. Finally, this engineer calls me over one day and he's like, this guy's name is Willis Chin. This forever changed my life. Willis goes, Joe, I just saw this posting on the Ford internal network and you know this is. 2000. Big computers, box computers, you know, points to it. I don't even know if it was in color. And he says, here's this job opening for a marketing and sales position in Downers Grove, Illinois. And I'm like, what? Cause, and it blew my mind. For the first time, I saw an opportunity outside the plant. And he's like, yeah, I think you would be great for this. And I'm like, how do I even apply for that? He's like, just go to my computer and apply for it. I'm like, awesome. Awesome. So I go to his computer. I had about five minutes left on, on break. I click the button that says apply, and it's like, what's your Ford ID? What's your Ford email? They didn't give that to UAW employees, <laughs> so I couldn't apply for the job. So I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So here I am feeling sorry for myself, just graduated college, did everything right on the semi-line, feeling great. I'm like, man, if there's anyone they should promote, it's me, right? And I, and I was like so pissed off. From a technical potential technical issue, I'm not going to get this chance. So I start walking away. I hang my head down, and then I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I turn back around. I go, Willis, I have an idea. He goes, What's that? Can I apply as you for this job? <laughs> this Asian American, five foot seven guy. For those of you that don't know me, I'm six two, <laughs> the whitest person you can possibly meet, and and Willis is like, sure, go ahead. So I like what's going to really happen, right? So uh, I, I go and I apply as Willis Chin and, and the body of the email, I'm like, I am not Willis Chin, I'm Joe Chur, here's my information. Fast forward, I get a call two days later, get an interview, get out of the plant. I'm, I take this elevator that I thought was incredible up to this office in Downers Grove, interview, got the job and it was blew my mind. And all of a sudden my world shattered because my dream went from confined into this environment I was in to much bigger now my dream was like, wow, now I'm going to be the marketing and sales owner manager and the leader of this regional office. And that was my dream. But then I started meeting car dealers. And I was like, oh my God, I can make a lot of money as a car dealer. And then that became my dream. And I, and I told my wife, I'm like, my dream is to own a car dealership. So fast forward, after 10 years of being at Ford, I get the chance to run a car dealership because this is the stair step to my dream, right? And I absolutely hated I hated it. I hated it. It was hard. It was like really tough. Um, it was a horrible time to be a car dealer. It was two thousand eight, if you recall that. I was running a Chevy store, that they almost closed it down because they were just closing Chevy stores down. And I just, I just didn't feel like it was for me. I was commuting like an hour and a half each way. I had a debilitating back injury, could barely walk. It was the worst, probably two years of my life, and I was super depressed. And I was like, man, if I could just get this opportunity to own this car dealership in Valparaiso, indiana which was like mm-hmm. an hour from our house like my life will be set that didn't happen so 2010 comes um i have back surgery and i'm laying and i'm laying on my couch just super depressed like what to do next with my life and i'm finally like you know i'm just gonna start listening to podcasts so i started listening to seo 101 and podcasts any old seo people that even know what seo is is this it's a way to show up in and search, in search for um, your business or whatever you're, you're trying to do. And this was like fairly early days with Google. So you could do a lot of really creative stuff and help yeah. and show up for, for search. Um, so I started to learn how to do that for businesses. And then I created my own digital marketing agency combining all my knowledge in automotive, all, everything I was learning in digital. And also when I was a kid, I was really passionate about computers, and the Commodore 64 was around at the time, and my brothers would play video games, and I would literally just like build these build these programs, and, and I would do that for hours. So it was like this unbelievable thing, and this marketing company just started to take off. So I'll pause there. There's a lot to unpack there, I know. I, I could go from there on to what happened next, but that's kind of how I became an entrepreneur.
1: I mean, when you look back, it's, it's funny when you are able to piece together how all the pieces fit so to speak, right? Because every single little thing, and I'm sure you left out hundreds of components there that were incredibly meaningful on, along the journey and other people who influenced you along the way. But it's really just determination. And I, I read something uh, earlier this week that said, when, and I hadn't read it before, everybody talks about entrepreneurship and on Instagram and people write books about it. But one thing that really stuck out with me that I read this week that I really hadn't read when you're talking about entrepreneurship is, they said an entrepreneur has incredible self-confidence by the way they speak to themselves in their own head, hmm. and I thought that was really powerful. Mm-hmm. And you know, I you know when I I talk in my head, I'm like, wow, like it's it's very confident, right? And my point of saying that is the stories that you told when you were walking away from that computer and you're tuning around, and you didn't let an obstacle get in your way and you figured out a way around it, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's really that self-confidence that you spoke to yourself where you're gonna figure it out. And without that type of determination, you wouldn't be sitting here today.
0: Yeah, 100%, and I'll say, you made a, a really other great point before that, and I think the dots connect backwards in life. They don't right. connect forwards. So like, if you think about your life, if you're listening to this, you're where you're at because a series of steps that got you there. I would have never been at Ford if I, if I did not have a daughter when I was 20, right? I would never been on the line. I would have never had a chance to go to marketing sales. I wouldn't even be in automotive. I don't even love cars. I still don't know how I spent 25 years in the, the automotive industry, but, but I did. And it was a beautiful, awesome industry and experience. And I'm so lucky for what I had. that's right like in my head I've always been my biggest cheerleader I don't necessarily act like that outside of that but if I had a choice to lead or follow I'd lead all day long I would not look at something and be like oh I want to be that person and I have I have stories of that when I was younger of things like that happening but the reality is like you have to kind of be a little crazy to be an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. you have to be willing to take a lot of risks and you have to be willing to put in the work the hustle so beyond what anyone can do, and there's a secret for that that I can get into in a minute, that no one can compete with you on that level because you're so obsessed.
1: And, and I bet you don't seek approval from others.
0: No. no, no. <laughs> right? I, yeah. you know, I, that's one of my downfalls, I think. I yeah. agree.
1: <laughs> uh, so, so let's unpack what, what we can get into. What's the secret sauce? The what, se- what's Joe's secret sauce... To taking hustle to the next level. I mean, clearly you have yeah. next level hustle. You're the epitome of this podcast, right? What What is this? Is oh, sauce? Oh man, this
0: is so easy, and it applies to everyone. And I think people need to dig deep to discover it. Um, but for me, it just happened, and this is what this is what happened. My wife and I are sitting on the couch in our home, and she's watching Bravo on television, Real Housewives of Orange County. This is like 2010. I have my computer in front of me, and I'm learning how to code again, relearning how to code. It was a lot different from when I was a kid. And she looks at me, and she goes, why are you always working? And I looked at her, and I said, this is what I do for fun. This is <laughs> literally this. what I do for fun. And it is. If you can have fun, like legitimately have fun doing what you're doing, you will win Why will you win? Because you're going to outwork everyone else. Why? Because you like to have more fun than work. It's simple. It's a simple thing to think about. And even this brewery and everything I get to do here, the taxes and stuff like that, that I consider work. Like, I got to do the taxes this month. I got to file this report. That comes with any business, right? But most of it is fun. That's why I'm really confident in my head that we're going to do well because I cannot stop thinking about it. It's almost like to a point where that's even a problem. Like, how do you turn it off?
1: I have this conversation with my wife a lot. Uh, I went through a period in early January where I couldn't sleep. I was up all the time. I was shaking. I was so excited about a new opportunity that that I'm working on, as well as the current businesses. And it's tough. Like, it's really, really hard. And, you know, I think that's, you know, if I could segue just a minute, I think it's really important when you get moments like that. and, And I completely agree with you. It's it is fun. It's it's a habit. It's it's what I do on the weekends, uh, in pockets of time where the kids are playing and my wife's watching a show. Like I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies. I don't watch the news. I don't watch really any sports except for golf on in the background, and that's about it. But it's um, what do you do to suppress the excitement sometimes? Hmm. Right. And and you have to find that outlet, or you you. I mean, you, you will stress yourself to a heart attack if you don't have that outlet. Mm. So I'm curious, what do you do to suppress the excitement and the fun in your life to make sure that you give your brain space?
0: This is such a good and timely question because I was really struggling with this recently and I could not stop. Like I would, I had this rule that if you're building a business, you take home your computer and after the family goes to bed, you work till your computer dies. Well, I'm plugging it back in now. <laughs> I'm not working till it dies. I'm plugging it back in and I'm pissed at it. I'm like, oh man, I can't. I got to keep going through that. So I got to the point where I was starting to get like a little bit concerned, honestly, that I'm putting in too much. Like my brain is staring at a computer too much. And this is hilarious. So dry Jan, uh, I didn't drink anything. And then last, I think it was Sunday, actually, I was out, I was, I was, my wife was uh, somewhere with my daughter, I was with my son, he was working on his iPad, I was on my computer, and I had a few beers, like I had, I don't drink a ton. And that night, I didn't feel like doing anything, anything, <laughs> and it really hit me. I'm like, there is a benefit to drinking sometimes or to doing something, and that is going to take, a, for me, it takes away all my drive. 100% of it. I cannot function. I can't play golf and drink. Like, I just can't do it, including it. I was like, oh my God, this is it. So that night, I went home and I didn't do shit. And I was like, woke up the next day and I felt actually good. I didn't drink a ton, yeah, but sure. I drank enough, like two beers, to give myself zero
2: drive. To take the motivation away. <laughs> to take the motivation
0: off. away. <laughs> and, and I was like, and I came in here on Monday and I go, guys. I finally found something cuz you know we we talk about non-alcoholic and, and 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 by the way like we're not teetotalers here I'm not promoting that like we we still drink in moderation it's just more less drinking than more drinking right than, yep. than I used to be reverse the 80-20 that I, that I used to the Pareto principle and I'm like and they're like what is it and I'm like drinking takes away your drive completely and that was a beautiful thing last <laughs> night and they start cracking up and it, and it, and it did. So like probably like not something that everyone should follow who's listening to this, sure. but something that worked for me is just like, is like just disrupting where you're at and, and do something where you're not going to have drive. Cause even if, even if I was with like my family, I'm still thinking about work. Sometimes you guys get that, right? Oh, like yeah, you yeah. can't, and you can't just turn it off, you cannot turn it off and, 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 that's the tough thing and
2: that's the thing that I'm learning from the last go around to this go around that to be try to be more present but I think intentional. part of that is having partners in life and in business that you can talk to they can get it out of your mind mm-hmm. right because if it sits in your mind or just on your computer it can just keep on festering but at least if you have an outlet somebody that's supporting you or challenging you which is important as well when these ideas come but to suppress it is uh, is another challenge um, but you use a lot of a lot of athletic motivation mm-hmm. as well, right? That's energy. And I know you do too, John. What kind of energy do you get from from exercise and, and ice baths? And, you know, what does that look like physically? How does that show up in your life as well? Yeah, that's that's key. I mean, there's
0: I start my mornings off with this strength training workout. i been doing it for five years, do it five days a week. Saturdays, I'll go for a run. I do jujitsu two to three times a week. So I, I like to get a healthy balance of many things. I like to get something on a calendar, get something in a calendar and makes those workouts way more meaningful. Like a jujitsu tournament, I have on a calendar for April, you know, just putting that down there is like going to make me like, shit, I got to train for that. Getting a marathon in the calendar. I got to train for that. And that's the stuff that's really important for me. And, and I will say one of the things at night, because, because uh, you guys know this too, like, we, especially when you're on your computer or you're on a device, like your brain's still going like off of it. It's like you're looking at it. So one of the things that really helps me is, um, doing like a a meditation, like a sound meditation and doing like a hypnotic one. Mm. And I can't even get through them. I don't think I've ever even got through it because I'll just, I pass out. And I started to do that with my son that kind of struggles with the same thing. Like he has some uh, learning uh, disabilities and we'll be in bed and he's just like, dad, dad, you know, I want to do this. And he's like, just can't stop thinking about different things and we do a meditation together, and sometimes I fall asleep in his bed with him. But but that's one thing that I would say an action step that someone could take if you really can't turn it off. That is a good alternative, um, especially if it's at the end of the night and you're kind of just
2: tired of the devices and your eyes are tired. Um, do something like that is important. So next level hustle. What does that look like now? You were in go, you know, and enjoying this. The room, and, and honestly, if you are in near Chicago, stop here. You can see exactly what um, Joe was talking about. You know, you can see that this is fun. You can feel that this is fun. The atmosphere is—you you can tell that this is a, a point of love from your creation.
1: Well, we've been here uh, since about two o'clock in the afternoon. It's That's right. now I'm, s- a little after six, and I'm
2: still not drunk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're not—we're not, we're not drunk. We worked a little. We all independently worked and made some phone calls. Mm -hmm. We, Joe, met some friends. We set up podcast equipment. We did a tasting flight of non-alcoholic beers earlier. And you can just feel the energy. It's a really happy vibe. Like, it's really, really cool what
0: you've created here. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's, it's awesome. So I think Next Level Hustle is making sure that people in this community know about what we have going on here and then doing everything and our power to get our beers out to many consumers in the United States. And do that in a methodical way where we are focused on quality, we're focused on the taste. We don't compromise any of those things. And I'm really proud of the team where we're at and our ability to scale this up. And that's going to take a lot more sleepless nights on the computer. Uh, And I'm down with it because, again, it's super fun for me to be building this thing. And I have a great team. And that's the other thing I think this go round is like really focusing on the team aspect, which I learned from Boomer. And I learned from the SEALs when I was with them, you know, no one makes the SEAL team. If you're just thinking about I, you know, you really got to think about we versus me. And this time, like, there's no way that I could be where I'm at without a great team, without a great brewer, without a great A friend of mine, Bruce, who's uh, leading, helping with operations and leading that up. uh, Without a good packaging manager, without a good social guy, like all of it's making this thing work, and it's um, and it's fantastic. So I am cognizant of how I was before, and I really want to focus on that now. But it's man, it's not stopping. It's it's running into something, figuring it out, and knowing that I've so much to learn. This is a new industry. Holy shit! It takes a lot to make beer god bless these (laughs) brewers man like most brewers and i meet them here like they have had breweries for a decade and they have they have other jobs like it's you don't go in this to make a ton of money you go in it to because it's a passion and i think our mission is to help change lives like literally and i think we can because we're providing an outlet that's an alternative to drinking that tastes good that you curbs the craving you know what i mean and that's important and that's important
1: so you started uh digital uh, media agency or marketing agency. I'm sure you've started other businesses you haven't talked about. For the brewer, the brewery specifically, was it something that you just kind of like had a fire in your soul about? Like what was the driving factor to say, hey, I'm going to go make non-alcoholic beer? What was, I know the COVID thing with your wife and that had some influence on it, but was there something else that was like, now's the time?
0: So I, I saw the the rise in consumer interest for non-alcoholic beer. So, right, you, you have to think about a few things when you create a business. It's not all just like, oh my God, I love kites. So I'm going to create a kite business. Like, yeah, yeah. probably a silly example, but you know what I mean? Like, you have to think about the TAM. What's your total addressable market? What industry are you going? Is it going up or down? Like, there's certain things I wouldn't get into now, even though I love them. And is it going to be fun? And can I use my skill set to really help propel the brand? If, if I could not build an e-commerce platform, and sell beer online? Would I do this now? I don't know, honestly. Like, but the fact that I I did, and I've got to see the community because we were able to open and see the tap room and the gratitude, has been incredible. So, so I think it was a combination of things, but but certainly from an from a business opportunity standpoint, felt like the window was small to get in there. Which, yeah. when I created my last business, the window was there was very competitive, but there's this small thing that happened. I just snuck right in there and I built this, what turned to be this pretty big company out from it, right? And I feel like now's the time for people because they're realizing, and there's more and more research coming out saying that like, even one drink a day is really not great for you. The best thing is to have zero. Think about ten, five years ago, 10 years ago. No one said that. It was like two drinks a day. If you're a guy like our size, you could have three, like, that was published literature, and now it's the opposite. Now it's like, no, nothing's good. So it was a combination of all those things that created, in my mind, a big opportunity for this. But ideas are easy and execution's hard, as, as you guys know. So it's. Anybody can draw on a whiteboard. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> right. and, and I see it. And, and you know, like it's, it's easy to be a critic and point at things, and, you know, it's hard to do things. If you're going to, if you want to fight, you're going to get in the ring and you're going to get punched.
1: Well, and you're always going to hear no. You're always mm-hmm. gonna hear people tell you how crazy you are, but it's it's the self confidence in your head that keeps you going. And you know when I, I started uh, one of the companies back in January of 2021, you know one of the guys who started with me looked at me. He was like, "Aren't you scared? Like, don't you don't you see all this risk?" I'm like, "Man, I'll be honest. Like, I got blinders on the fear. We just got to keep going because if you get sucked in the if you get sucked into the fear, you're gonna quit. Yeah. And there's no option to quit here. Like, we have to go." We'll yep. figure it out. I'm glad we kept going.
0: Yeah. I love uh, I love the pun there, too. Go. Got to keep going. Got to go. Gotta go. <laughs> Let's go. go. Bre- seriously, everybody,
1: uh, uh, gobrewing.com. There's, yeah. there's absolutely no reason you shouldn't have some N.A. beer in your fridge. Uh, support Joe, support local. I think it's really cool what you're doing here.
0: Man, it's so great for you guys to be here. Can't wait to break some bread in a few minutes together give you uh, a taste of what real Chicago pizza is like it's going to be a great night and can't wait yeah just awesome to be here
2: with you guys Thanks for listening to the Next Level Hustle Podcast, where we help you accelerate what you already know to the next level. If you'd
1: like to support the podcast, consider sharing it on social media, subscribing wherever you listen, or leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next week for another Next Level Hustle conversation. I'm John. And I'm out.
2: And I'm Boomer. I'm also out.